0: Amen. You can sit down. We're, that sounds bad. Sit down. Now, you guys can have a seat if you like. And, and uh, if you're joining us on YouTube, I'm guessing most of you were sitting down anyways. If you're still standing up, you're, you're welcome to sit down. Uh, glad to have you guys here with us on site. Uh, you know, it's a whole different world these days. We have on site and online. I used to say in person, but even the ones that are joining us online are in person, we hope. Right. Does that make sense to you that? Way I think I should not overthink things. We're glad you're here, and if this is your first time joining us online or, or your first time here in the series, we're in a series in the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke, and I like to say it that way because uh, we need to understand what gospel means. The word gospel means the good news, and and so when we say the gospel of Luke, what we're really saying is the good news of Luke. And Luke would say, "No, no, the good news isn't Luke. The good news is Jesus." So it's the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. And and we talked about this in the beginning as we uh, did our introduction for Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a detail kind of guy. That's my kind of guy. I'm guessing if they had spreadsheets back in that day, they didn't. But if they had, Luke would have been a spreadsheet kind of guy. He liked details. We'll see that uh, even today as we dig into Luke chapter 3 is where we'll be starting. Where we left off last week was one of my favorite stories uh, in Scripture. It was the story where Jesus' mom and dad left him behind at the temple in Jerusalem. And that makes me feel better because if if I had the Son of God entrusted into my care, I would hope I would do things a little bit more carefully. And I'm guessing that Joseph and Mary, the same. I, I know there had to be times where they would go, oh yeah, this is the Son of God. They left Jesus behind in the temple. <laughs> um, that that makes me feel better. I've never left my kid behind anywhere. We did lose my oldest for about three minutes. It felt like three years. She was playing hide and seek in J.C. Penney's in the circular clothes rack, and and that was really disconcerting for me. Jesus' parents were without him for three days. I can't even imagine. Anyways, the, the, where we left off with that story, uh, really we talked about last week that when you walk with Jesus, you'll become like Jesus. And, and we, we know that God does the work in our hearts. That's always his work. We can't change our heart, but God does that work. But there's some things we can do in our walk uh, that can help as we seek to become like Jesus. And the last thing that we talked about, well, I'll just mention all three since I'm I'm there. Uh, the, the first one was get into God's word. We get into God's word. That helps with our walk. Now, I, I don't know if you guys have realized this. Hopefully you have. That God's word is different. The Bible is different than anything else. It's not just an awesome collection uh, of true accounts of God working and moving in the hearts of people throughout history. It is that. It's not just awesome history. There is a lot of history in here. There's even a little bit of science if you dig a a bit into it. But really, the thing that makes the Bible unique is it is the very word of God. The way that, that Paul writes it, it's God breathed. That's that word inspired. God breathed it out. And so the Bible is different than any other book. God uses his spirit and his word to change us. So get into God's word. That helps with your walk. The other one is get around God's people. You guys are doing that here. Uh, You're doing it virtually for some of you. Um, We talked about a lot of different ways to do that in small groups and big groups. And then the last one where we left off last week, which kind of leads into the message today, is get about God's business. Um, And Jesus, I love that line. And I think Jesus said it. Well, I don't think. I know Jesus said it with genuine respect and love to his mother. When his mother basically said, (laughs) you worried us sick you remember that you know what have you done to us i mean why did you do this and jesus said i i can't say it the way i believe he said it because uh, i'm just way too sarcastic i think but jesus said it i believe with genuine love and respect mother where would you expect me to be why, why did you look for me didn't you know i would be in my father's house and, and the, if we dig into that a bit, that means being about the father's business, his affairs. And so we need to get about God's business. Well, today, uh, as we look, we're, we're kind of digging into a little bit. A new guy comes on the scene. Uh, let me just read it for you. This, this guy's name is John, which, by the way, um, in the Hebrew means the grace of the Lord or the Lord is gracious. And uh, I'll, I'll just tell you the big idea in case it, it gets a little bit warm and you, and you space out a little bit later, just so that you know. By the way, all these notes are on the version app. If you'll go to events, click our location, then our, our notes will be up there. But the big idea is this. The main point is this. Uh, someone told me uh, when you preach, you tell them what you're going to say, then you say it, then you tell them what you said, right? Is that, that how that works? So here's the big idea. Sometimes sharing the gospel is preparing the way for the Lord and 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 we'll talk we will dig that uh, dig into that just a bit but let me read the passage for you this is John chapter three beginning in verse one we'll read through verse six in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the reason of itria and Trachon Wow, Trachonitis i I really worked on this earlier. Well, I just slipped. And Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene. Now, I told you Luke was a detail kind of guy, right? Uh, you remember the reason that I said Luke gives this detail? One, because it's true. Whenever you tell a story, the reason you include the detail is because it's true. Anybody do this back in 89 when you start, you start your story that way? 1989, it was September I was worried because I was getting married in December. No, that, that's all true, but that's not the story. We, we add things to that. I got married in Ladonia, Texas at First Baptist Church, Ladonia, where my great-grandfather had been a deacon. See, when we tell true stories, we give detail. So I believe that's why Luke gives detail. This happened. This is true. Uh, I used to tell the kids, this is a story. This is from the Bible. It's a true story. But I think we can even do better than that in our men's Bible study as we're studying uh, the validity of of Scripture and really digging into that. I think it's a whole lot better to say this is a biblical account that this happened. So this is the true account um, in in the Bible. So Luke tells us because it's true. The second thing is he helps us get some context in here. He's setting uh, all of this, this context for us. Uh, that that this happened in and then the final reason at least I think uh, that that Luke does this is because we can verify this we can check these things out anyways Luke's a detail guy that's why he includes we'll see this all through the gospel that that he wrote and then he says verse two he adds more detail during the high priesthood of Annas and um, Caiaphas the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness a lot of detail so the word of God came to John. This is John the Baptist. We know him as or John the baptizer. Um, <laughs> I think they call him John the Baptist because he didn't drink. It said he didn't have any strong drink. He probably couldn't dance either. So. So here he is, John, the Baptist is in the wilderness and the word of God came to him. And it says this, and he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level places and all flesh will see the salvation of God now think about John this is This is the one the angel Gabriel came to his father, who is a priest while he was serving in the temple and proclaimed that God is going to give you and your wife, Elizabeth, a son. He's heard your prayers, but this isn't going to be any ordinary guy. This guy is going to come in the spirit of Elijah. And so this is amazing. This guy is coming to proclaim the salvation of the Lord. What? What an amazing, I mean, what an awesome responsibility. This is, this is not your typical guy. In fact, uh, uh, the best way that I could think that we could liken it to our world today is if God, I'm making this up, this is an illustration. I just want you to know because I'm not a prophet and I don't want you to throw rocks at me if this isn't true. No. But let's, let's say that the only way I can figure to relate that to modern day is if God said, hey, look, I am going to send... Someone who is going to be the one who prepares the way for the second coming of Jesus, my son. And this guy is going to come and prepare the way. That's what he did with John for the first coming. And John came to prepare the way. And and I mentioned in the early service, um, my my cousins and I really tried to come up with a band. We pretended like we had a band Um, and and. It would have been awesome if we had got to, to open for somebody um, really famous. You know, back in my day, this is the 80s, when I was a brand-new Christian and a teenager, there was this Christian rock band called Petra. Yeah, I know, right? That was pushing the edge, weren't they? That um, wasn't really for you young people. That's nothing. That's anyways, if we had gotten to open for Petra, or if you wanted to go and some of the mainstream people for the Imperials. I'm really dating myself here. Russ Taff. So, John the Baptist, I don't mean to demean his role, God used him in an amazing way, but was the opening act for the Son of God, for the Messiah. And John came, and if God were to tell us that, that, look, I'm sending someone to prepare the way for the second coming of my Son, we would expect like a Billy Graham kind of guy. One that is going to come and he is going to be out in the public. He is going to preach. He's going to fill up stadiums. Have you ever been to a Billy Graham crusade? Wow. Thou- tens of thousands of people. They were always packed out you know, in football stadiums. And the invitations always flooded the field. It's just amazing how God used him. We would expect somebody like that, wouldn't we? Someone who is out in the open, in the middle, in the hearts of huge cities, drawing huge crowds. What we see with John the Baptist is not that. And that makes me feel better. (laughs) You see, John the Baptist, when he came, he came in the wilderness. And that's why I made the title of the message today, A Voice in the Wilderness. Have you ever... Have you ever shared the gospel with someone and you're not sure they really understood a word you said? Has that ever happened to you? You're talking with them and you're thinking, maybe they don't speak English. I don't know. It just seems to kind of fall on deaf ears. Sometimes whenever we, we talk about sharing the gospel, and that's what we're going to focus on today. That's what John the Baptist really came to do in preparing the way for the Lord. Sometimes in sharing the gospel, what we're really doing is preparing the way for the Lord. Now, that's not the way we think of it. If I were to tell you, hey, guys, we're going to meet together today at three. I'm making this up just so I know anyone from YouTube who's watching online to show up here. But if I said we're going to show up at three o'clock today and we're going to go share the gospel. Our expectation, what we think about in sharing the gospel with someone is that we're going to have a lot of people come to faith in christ now i hope that would happen because we're sharing good news to a world who desperately needs some good news but sharing the gospel is not simply leading someone to faith in christ or it's not only leading someone to faith in christ and and so john the baptist says he did that he was sharing the gospel with people god was using him in amazing ways next week uh, we, we get to see some of the fun things um uh, the fun ways that john the baptist did that but but John the Baptist, as near as I can tell in Scripture, never had the privilege now he pointed people to Christ, but of having someone what we would call leading someone to faith in Christ. In fact, if you'll remember, the Apostle Paul in Acts, runs across a group of John the Baptist disciples. Do you remember the story? They weren't Christians. They were disciples of John the Baptist. They hadn't heard the whole story. John the Baptist had a ministry of preparation where he prepared the way for the Lord so people could come to faith in Christ. So let me just give you quickly. Okay, maybe not quickly. We still have some time. I'll give you slowly (laughs) three things that that I think really encompass what sharing the gospel is. Not just we we think if I'm going to go out and share the gospel with someone in fact Before I share them We think if I share the gospel with someone and don't come to faith in Christ that I failed Have you ever felt that way? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member And and you pour your heart out to them and, and you share with them what Christ has done in your life And you share with them their need for Christ because of their sin And the amazing way that God demonstrated his love that Jesus on the cross took our sin, that he took the penalty for our sin, and then he exchanges our sin for his righteousness that we can be right before God. And 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 you think, I've explained that as best I can, and they say, okay. And then go on, and you're like, I failed. I, I messed it up. What did I do wrong? That's not really what sharing the gospel is all about so three things in here let me tell you the first one is this sometimes i'll say it again sharing the gospel is preparing the way for the lord sometimes sharing the gospel is simply sowing i don't mean s-e-w-i-n-g but planting seeds anybody here like did you grow up on a farm nobody anybody have a a garden in their backyard anybody have an ivy plant in their house okay (laughs) If you have no plants at all I I can I can adopt out one of my piece of my aloe vera to you my aloe vera keeps having babies and my my daughter adopted some I'm a pretty protective adopted I keep track of my, my adoptees anyways I didn't I grew up in a city I grew up in Dallas Fort Worth but my dad was a country boy and you know we had a garden in the back so so whenever I'm talking about these kind of things I've had to learn later sometimes Sharing the gospel is sowing it's planting seeds you guys know the parable of the sower we call it some people call it the parable of the soils but but if we if we think about that Jesus is telling this parable and everyone there understood they watched this happening as they were walking along in fact there could very well have been someone sowing seeds nearby when Jesus told this parable but they would have a, a, a pouch Kind of that would hang around the side. And I'm right handed. So mine would be on my left side. And, and he would grab the seed. And he would just toss it. Just grab a handful. And just throw it out. That seems wasteful for us. But maybe that's because my dad. Made me make the little rose. And poke my finger in. And put a seed in there. Well we know. We know that. If we want a big harvest. So if I wanted a lot of cucumbers. I'm going to have to plant a lot of seeds. and And not all the seeds make it. That's kind of the the parable that jesus is telling some it falls on the hard ground and the birds eat it immediately i, I saw this the other day it was a, an advertisement for this rollout um uh seed and fertilizer stuff for your yard and and it had one where the guy threw the seeds out and then you look out and there's like a flock of birds that are eating the seeds So that's what happened to the, the seed that fell on the hard soil then there was seed that fell in in the rocky soil you know it was kind of shallow so it sprung up quickly but when the sun came it died and and then there was some that went over in the thorns and thistles. Or if you're from where I'm from in Texas, that would be the the weeds and the stickers. Um, and so it, it got choked out by the weeds after it grew. And then you had the seed that fortunately fell on the fertile soil and it grew and it bore fruit. So so that's the sower. Sometimes sharing the gospel is preparing the way of the Lord. And, and it's sowing. You are sowing the seed. Someone has to do that. And, and we, we kind of get messed up. Maybe it's the techniques and tools that we've taught people along the way and how to share the gospel. We kind of think it's like this. We kind of think that I go to this guy over here and I share the gospel with him that I get to plant the seed, watch it grow, and get the fruit right there. Right? Well, I'm no farmer, but I know that's not the way it works. That you have to plant the seed, and it takes a while before you can bear the, before you can reap the fruit from it. In fact, uh, have you guys ever planted like a a fruit tree? Have you ever done that? No. Okay. Well. Okay. Some of you have. Sometimes it's years before that thing will finally bear fruit. We lived in the house that we're at now for years before an apple finally popped out. I didn't know that was an apple tree. Yeah. Um. And and then this year, just because this has been a crazy year, anyways. But along the side of our road, I didn't know there were four cherry trees there. It. yeah, it bore fruit this year. Cherries, they're gone now. Don't run, rush over there. <laughs> Sometimes we just plant the seeds. We get to be the one who initially plants the seeds. When I read this as a young Christian, as a young believer, I thought I was going to be smart because I knew how my dad had us do the the seeds in our garden. And I thought, well, I'm not going to waste you know, the seeds of the gospel on the hard soil or the rocky soil or the... Soil with stickers, those goat heads, I think they call them. I'm going to look for the good soil. And, and the idea was kind of this, that I, I look around at people and try to gauge if their heart was ready for the gospel. And that would be the person I would share the gospel to. And God really convicted me. Um, <laughs> the way I said it in the early service was God got on to me. Anybody your daddy ever get on to you? some of you daddy might be here you better raise your hand um you you he got on to you god got on to me and he said larry here's the problem with that first of all you're not a very good ju- judge of someone's heart you know man looks on the outside but god sees his heart we can't see someone's heart i don't know i have you run across people and they are the crustiest people you've ever run across they're just gruff and rough and oh my goodness And you get to know them a little bit and you find out that that's the really thin exterior they're all marshmallow on the inside. You ever you ever discover that I'm not a good judge of somebody's heart. And then God said something that really has stuck with me too. He said Larry they may actually have a hard heart today. But you don't know what I might bring into their life tomorrow that will turn the soil of their heart under and that seed that you planted on the hard heart actually has fertile soil tomorrow. And that's the point of sowing. You sow, you share the gospel everywhere you can. And some of the seed will take root. And then that leads us to the second part, really. And I don't know if they're really parts or phases or whatever, but the second component in sharing the gospel, sometimes when we're sharing the gospel with somebody, what we're doing is cultivating a seed that was already planted. I love the way Paul puts this. Paul says in, uh, I've got to turn my page, sorry. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. Here's what he's saying, is that Paul planted the seed, but Apollos cultivated the seed. He watered it. Now, here's one thing that we do for my wife for Mother's Day. This isn't the only thing, but this is one of the things. Careful, by, by the way, what? Traditions you start because you would be doing these forever. If we ever don't do this, we're in trouble. But we buy her plants up here after Mother's Day. We're probably not going to get a hard freeze. Okay, I know in Texas it's not that way, but uh, in Texas, you might have 100 degrees at the beginning of May. I don't know. Probably after after Mother's Day, we're pretty safe that we might get a freeze, but it won't be a hard freeze. And so Mother's Day, we go out and buy her like hundreds of dollars in plants. Not too many, maybe $150, $200 in plants. And, and, and we plant them, and they look marvelous. We do this on Saturday, so they're all pretty for Mother's Day, and then we watch them die. You guys ever, is that how you do your plants? Well, this year I found out you got to water those things. And some of those plants are hanging plants. I forget if they're pansies or petunias. I think they're petunias. They like to be watered every day. And, and they're made, the hanging plants, so that you just drench them, you know, water the snot out of them, and then it, it just drains, and it's okay, and they like that. If you miss a day on some of those plants, they start to wilt in a day, especially, it's been hot here. If you're, if you're visiting with us, I'm, I'm, I apologize, We've hit 82 or 83, like two day, two or three days straight. I'm sorry. Um, we'll try to do better. <laughs> and and so if I miss some of those and and just missing one day watering, and man, that thing starts to wilt, some of them. And then I learned that there are some plants that they don't want to be watered every day, that something about their roots rotting or, you know, I, I don't know. And so some of them you have to poke your finger in the soil and check and see if it needs a little bit of water and put that. You have to cultivate. You, you, you don't just plant something and go away and think it's going to grow fine on its own. You, you need to water it. And Paul talks about that, that Paul said, I planted the seeds, but Apollos came and, and he watered it. He cultivated it. And no telling who many more that came, came along, uh, who many, that's not good English, even in Texas, no telling who or how many more came along and continued to cultivate the seed of the gospel that was planted. I would say that that's probably the bulk of the gospel sharing is cultivating. Some people get to plant, and we're going to see in a moment, some people get to reap, but I think the bulk of of sharing the gospel is cultivating. Now, we live in a microwave society, and if you have a microwave dinner that takes seven minutes to cook, well, that's just too long, especially if you've got to take it out and pull the, film back and stir it and then stick it back in and let it cook and then after it's done you have to wait two minutes before you can eat it I don't know what that's about but cultivating we think we can just share the gospel and man that's it when Jesus says in Matthew 28 18 through 20 to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey or to do all that I've commanded you that, that's a part of the gospel that's cultivating you. I, I would say that it's pretty rare that you share the gospel with someone and they come to faith in Christ. I know there are people with the gift of evangelism, and I wish I was one that that happened. You know, they, they take a plane trip and everybody in the seats around them are saved. You know, by the time they, they're having church when they land. That's not me. Those are the people. That's the third part. Those are the people who actually get to reap. That's that's the other part of sharing the gospel is the reaping. They actually get to see the harvest and Jesus talks about it. You, you remember uh, in John chapter four, you, you've all heard this. Jesus is with the disciples and and Jesus says, do you not say don't don't you guys say that there are still four months and then the harvest? And Jesus says, hey, I'm I'm here to tell you that the harvest is now right now. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And he says something that that to me kind of helps me understand this whole thing about sharing the gospel and how we have sometimes different parts. Sometimes you get to play different parts along the way. He says, verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. Now, isn't that great? Isn't Isn't that what you want to be when you share the gospel? I want to be the reaper. That sounds bad. I want to be the one who brings in the harvest. I would love it if everybody I shared the gospel with came to faith in Christ right there. But the way Jesus talks about this, the way Paul talks about it, is that that's the one who gets the harvest. In verse, uh, the, the end of verse 36, he says, They do that so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. And I would throw in there the cultivator, the one who's been watering in between. You see, we're partners in the gospel. Some people sow. Some people cultivate. And some people get to reap the harvest. But but we're partners in this. And, and, And I would say that probably, I don't know how to test this, but I would say that probably for every single person who came to faith in Christ, there were either multiple people that God used in their life. I know that was true for me. Or it was one person over a period of time. God was working in my heart even though I didn't see it until afterwards. God was working in my heart well before I ever came to faith in Christ. And In fact, I'm a little stubborn. Boy, God was pounding on me one Sunday night as an evangelist was preaching at this little church in East Texas where I'd been spending the summer. And I was under conviction and I knew, man, I knew everything. It was clear. I've never heard God's audible voice, but it couldn't have been any clearer if he had spoken to me audibly. And and I told God that night, I said, when I get home, I didn't mean that night, I meant back to Fort Worth. <laughs> when I get home, well, I'll deal with you. And it was two days later that God just got a hold of me again, and that's when I came to faith in Christ. Multiple people, my aunt and my grandmother were two. Brother Gary Jordan, who I've recently kind of reconnected with over uh, Facebook, was, was uh, one of the ones who mentored me. We're partners in this together. The one who reaps is just a part of that, and not everybody gets to be that person. Here's here's what Jesus goes on to say, verse 37 and 38. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Even Jesus is saying that that's not always the same person. I would say it's probably not often the same person. And then finally he says, I sent you, he's talking to the disciples, I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others labored, and you entered into their labor. Um, We we all want to be the ones who reap the harvest. We don't get to be that. And and so I I say all this to to say, to come, come to this place. I say this to say this. That just didn't sound right the way I was putting that. Don't be discouraged in sharing the gospel. If someone doesn't come to faith in Christ, when you share the gospel and don't think that you failed. You pour your heart out to them. You share the gospel as best as you know how you you can. Sometimes you just know God's working and you get to that and you say, is that something you want to do? And I say, no, I don't think so. (laughs) And we're going, where did I mess up? One, one, of the, one of the places that, that I think we need to change our thinking a little bit as Baptists, and, and uh, this is going to rock some of your worlds maybe a little bit, is I want to use language that's biblical whenever we're talking with someone about the gospel. So, so you guys ready? Y'all can go check this out. Don't ever just take my word for it. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where someone prays to come to faith in Christ, I have never I've never read. Well, take Peter at the Day of Pentecost. You know, then, sir, what what must we do? He didn't say pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. the The, the biblical way is, and we see this in John three sixteen, that we believe. That is, we trust. We believe and we receive. Now, I'm not saying that you don't lead someone in prayer to become a Christian. I think that's a good thing to do, but there's not a prayer that you have to pray. You know, Otherwise, Peter would have said, oh, you guys just need to pray the sinner's prayer. Just look in the back of Steps to Peace with God. It's right there. <laughs> Believe. So, so when I don't want you to feel like that. that in fact, boy, I, I think you almost can't mess up when you're sharing the gospel if you stick with Jesus. Jesus came to save sinners, and there's no other way. I used to think, okay, so i got to explain to them that they're a sinner. i got to explain to them what atonement means. I have to explain that Jesus was the atonement. I, I used to think I had to explain all that, and then I thought, you know what? A lot of that I didn't really get until I became a Christian. I didn't know. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. God just got a hold of my heart. I spent... A, I spent like three hours confessing sin. I thought you had to confess them all. I was trying hard and I had a lot. But but the point of all of it is. I believe I trusted in him. All, all of that work of changing my heart that came after that. You believe and you receive. Here's here's what I want you know today Jesus in in Matthew chapter 9 verse uh, 35 through 38 is he's talking with his disciples again um, and and he says something in here that has has been used a a different way than that I'm I'm going to I'm going to look at it a little differently for us this morning as we close it says, Jesus went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And then Jesus, it says, look, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I'm only 53. I know for some of you, whoa, that's old. I'm 72 in my right knee but I'm 53 according to my driver's license. But in, in my life this verse has never seemed to be more true than today. As I look at our world they're harassed, they're helpless, they're like sheep without a shepherd. We are living, at least in my lifetime, in the strangest time that I can think of. There's never been a time more than now that people need to hear the gospel. And then here's the verse, we we'll use it a little different way a whole lot. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord that he would send laborers into his harvest. And, and usually when I get to that place, we all say, "woof" because I thought Pastor Larry was saying we need to go share the gospel. But what he's telling us is we need to pray that you'll go share the gospel. I, I think we make a huge mistake when we think of that verse that way. I think we need to think of it more like Isaiah when in Isaiah chapter six, he's in the temple and God shows up in a big way and God says, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah, I I can, I don't think he raised his hand, but I can picture shoots his hand up. I'll go send me. You see, I believe fully that when we pray this prayer, we're saying, God, I realize I'm volunteering for this. Let me tell you three things I know. I don't have to make these up. I'm going to steal it from the Bible right here, what we just read. That, that the harvest is plentiful. Uh, you, you may not be from New Mexico, and I don't know exactly what it's like in the area you're in. But according to the studies, as best they can figure this, they say that nine out of ten people in New Mexico do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to look at lostness, if you want to look at how plentiful the harvest is, 90 percent of people in the state of New Mexico do not know Jesus. So if you're standing in Walmart, I'm assuming you're the one that does those other nine people standing by you don't. There's a harvest, and it's huge. <laughs> Now, I know we live in a little microcosm in this little area. So we're going to say maybe two people out of the ten do and eight people don't. I've said this a lot and we have to keep reminding ourselves as churches of this. Um, We don't have to compete with other churches. There's enough lost people to go around. There are enough people that are harassed and helpless and without a shepherd. We have enough That if if everyone in our little area around here in a five or ten mile radius came to faith in Christ, you couldn't build it. We couldn't get enough land to build enough churches to house them. The harvest is plentiful. And here's the second thing I know. The laborers are few. Um, They did studies, and I don't recall the numbers exactly, maybe because I tried to block them out. Asking Christians how often they share their faith. How often do you share the gospel? They've asked them, when, how many people have you had the privilege of leading to Christ? Now we know that that's not all there is to sharing the gospel. But the numbers are low. The laborers are few. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you came to faith in Christ, you were drafted as a gospel sharer. There's there's not a gift of sharing the gospel. It's a command of sharing the gospel. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. We are all commissioned to make disciples. The way we put that here is leading people into a life changing relationship with Jesus. But there, we need a lot more people doing that. And that's all of us. That we're all laborers should be in the gospel. So so what are we going to do? I've been getting this question a whole lot. Things are changing again, uh, not just in New Mexico, but other places too. And so, what are we going to do? What what is we're, as First Baptist Church, Cloudcroft? What are we going to do? Well, let me tell you. You ready? Write this down. We are going to be about the Father's business. Anything else we we do is not why we're here. I, I love that. When Jesus said that to his mother, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know this is where I would be? Didn't you know I would be doing the father's business? It, and it, for First Baptist Church, Clowcroft, here's the way that, that we phrase that. We say that our purpose is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, I think and right now I've been here, almost, it'll be 17 years, November. And right now, more than any other time, and we've had some things that we've had to deal with here in those 17 years, but now more than any other time is the potential for distraction from what God has called us to do. And if we do anything else and don't do that, we've missed it. We can have great programs. We can have all kinds of great plans. It's hard to plan more than three weeks out nowadays anyways. But we can have all of that. But if we are not leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, we missed it. That's not, we're not doing what we're called to do. My wife and I got to take a cruise last year for our 30th anniversary. That, that was cool. Um, I learned a few things. Um, one is when it's lobster night, just go ahead and order three or four to start with. Just, just, just bring them out. Are you sure? No, just bring them out. You can order more later. No, no, just bring them out. Just. But, but we're not a cruise ship. That's not what First Baptist Plowcroft is. We're a fishing boat. And Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so that's what we're going to do. I don't know, don't, don't ask me what's going to happen next week with this or that or the other. But what I do know is that we are going to be about the purpose of leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we get to the point that that's all we can do, that's what we will do. Because that's what we have to do. We have a simple strategy that we say, you know, this, is, this is how we do that, that we invest, you invest in somebody's life. You invite, invite them along in, in, in this walk with Jesus and some of the ways in doing that is inviting them into some of the things that we do as a church to come and worship. And, and just do life through Christ. I think if, if we wanted to take our, our strategy and put it into one of these areas in sharing the gospel, I, I think that pretty much all of that fits into the cultivation part. We just invest in people's lives. Share the gospel with them. You guys may know maybe you experience this in your walk. They have some pretty pretty hard questions right. You ever talked with someone about Jesus. Say, uh, I don't I don't believe all that if, if God if God was really love and why does he allow all this stuff to happen. That's a hard question isn't it. I mean I, I think I know the answer. I know the answer I think I can relay the answer it may not be the answer they want people sometimes don't come to faith in Christ because they have some big questions and and sometimes people don't share the gospel because they're like I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to let me give you the answer Are you guys ready when they ask you how many angels can dance on the head of a pen you say you know I'm going to be really honest with you and I don't have a clue would you be interested in looking for the answer with me why don't we just meet for coffee every week and we can just see if we can find that answer in God's word what do you, what are you doing I think Jesus would call that making disciples and here's what happens as you invest in them you invite them along with you in this journey with Christ God may very well bring something into their life. It doesn't answer their questions, but all of a sudden all those big questions they had just don't seem quite as important anymore. When I go to the doctor and he tells me I have cancer and I've only got a few months to live, I don't think I'm going to be really concerned about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. I just don't think that's going to be big for me anymore. I don't think I'm going to care about whether Adam and Eve had a belly button; they didn't. But I don't think I'm going to care, <laughs> you know. I, I don't think I'm going to care whether the serpent had legs before he was cursed or not. I just, I just don't think. I, I think at that moment, what I'm going to care about is my eternity. What happens after this? So, so let me challenge you. Let's get about the Father's business. Let's get about making disciples. The way we say that here is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you share the gospel with someone and they don't come to faith in Christ, you may be planting the seed. Or maybe someone else did that and and you're cultivating. Don't get discouraged. Because we plant, somebody else waters, and God causes the growth. We just need to be faithful in doing what he's called us to do. And I'm telling you, as pastor at First Baptist Church Cloudcroft, that's what we've got to be about. If, if the wheels come off of the bus in the next few months and we can't do anything else, that is what we need to be doing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. I thank you that you not only love us, but you demonstrate your love. You pursue us in relationship and, and you've been doing that, Lord, since Adam and Eve sin. You pursued them in relationship. That, that God, you, you provided a way for us to have a right relationship with you through Jesus Christ, that on the cross he took our sin, that he took the payment for our sin and in and, and this beautiful exchange we'll never fully comprehend. Somehow we got the righteousness of christ and we get to have a right relationship with you because of what jesus did on the cross god we live in a world filled with darkness a world that desperately needs the light of the gospel god would you give us the courage and the boldness to be the ones to share the gospel and whether we plant whether we cultivate or whether we get to reap the harvest Lord, would you help us to be faithful in what you've called us to do? Father, if there's anybody here, whether they're watching online or they're here on site, that's never put their faith and trust and hope in Christ, they've never believed. Lord, would you draw them to you? Would you do the work in their hearts that the Lord helps them to understand their need for Christ because of their sin and the provision that you made through Jesus on the cross? And today, maybe today, would be the day that they would trust in Christ. Come to faith in him. Lord, if you came back today, I pray that you would find us faithful doing what you left us to do, and that is to share the gospel with the lost world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.